All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing is nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth building market insights. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio, episode 96. Today's episode is brought to you by SAI, the technology suite that incorporates basic planning, loss tolerance, and a cash flow-based required rate of return portfolio management. To learn more, go to wbiinvestments.com and request an introduction to SAI, a new vision for investing. Hello again, everybody. We've got a new president. We have a new Congress and we have a new year and it's time to say goodbye to 2020. And let's spend a moment talking about what do we have to look forward to markets wise in 21 this early in the year? Oh, man, we got so much to look forward to, Rick. You know, everybody's still talking about what happened last year and the returns uh, that the NASDAQ and the S&P had last year. Uh, I think everybody needs to focus on uh, where we're going this year. And this year could be way different from a return perspective. Uh, certain sectors might be doing uh, better, better than last year. Um, energy, industrials, materials, we get an infrastructure spend. These things are going to lead the way. Uh, technology still might do good, but you know, it may be a whole different set of stack, uh, stocks here that do well, uh, in 2021. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure Don has a lot of comments, uh, you know, to, uh, in, in that regard. So, uh, goodbye 2020 and 2021, I think it's going to be a little different. You know, the last year and for the last maybe five years, you've got the, uh, uh, indexes the the s&p 500 particularly the you know favorite index of everybody quotes and you know the return chasing people have fomo fear of missing out on return big time and <clears throat> over the last six months the s&p 500 has had an 18 and a half percent rate of return and uh you know everybody's thinking that that's going to be the ticket in uh 2021 i don't think so I think it's small, mid-cap, value-biased uh, stocks are going to be the rage. Over that same six-month period, um, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, which is uh, you know uh, large and small companies, is up 48%. We basically have had one of the strongest periods just over the last you know three months or so for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. You also have high-yielding dividend-paying stocks up 22% over the last six months, so outpacing the S&P 500 via the uh, S&P 500 high-dividend index. So, uh, you know, it, it's S&P is not all the rage. Um, there, there's some stuff that's going to do better. If you look at uh, Russell 2000 value, uh, Russell 2000 value has, uh, you know, done well as well. Uh, plug in R U J there. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, boom. 
Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. 43% the last six months. So, you know, don't focus on two and a half times the return of the S and P for small cap stocks that hasn't happened in a decade. Yeah. Why, why focus on S and P or NASDAQ when there's other stuff that's moving baby. Yeah. So what we want to look at is we want to look at what's happening right now. The tone of the markets have changed for the last 10 years. You know, value has been in the basement. And tech and momentum growth stocks have, you know, led the way higher. Now, all of a sudden, values out of the basement. If there's a rotation of capital from one type of stock, you know, a value versus growth, value is going to outperform. If money chases the SMID uh, sector, which is relatively undervalued compared to the S&P, the S&P is at a historic P.E. multiple. Trailing P.E. multiple on the S&P is at 41 times earnings. In, wow. in, in 1999, 2000, before the market corrected, it hit a high of 31 times trailing earnings. We're way above that now. And we're in the midst of a pandemic and an economic contraction. And yet the market's flying like, you know, there's no problems out there. And that's all based on, you know, uh, the possibility for more infrastructure and also for stimulus, right? Big difference between stimulus and infrastructure. So we'll see what happens. You know, uh, lots of challenges out there, but we think that the value and the small and mid cap trade are going to be an easy layup for 2021. Yeah, Janet Yellen has made a, a number of comments about what she feels needs to be done. Uh, we know we have a, uh, all, what is it, almost a $2 trillion a stimulus package that will emerge uh, from Congress here probably relatively shortly. But uh, is it going far enough in the area that you feel it needs to go? I'm, I'm encouraged by Yellen saying she wants more than what this is. Uh, so maybe this is round one. Don, your thoughts, Matt? So, you know, uh, we've talked about this. There's a big difference between the type of stimulus that they've uh, they passed last year, uh, $900 billion, and the type of stimulus that they're passing this year. It's a double, right? And it's going to, uh, it'll have an effect on the economy, but it won't have a long lasting effect to lift GDP, which is, you know, gross domestic product, the, the, the amount of output that we have really significantly for that. You need an infrastructure package and Yellen and most of the other folks, you know, Biden himself are talking about a, a pretty ginormous in infrastructure package, you know, something that is uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, of infrastructure spending, two, three trillion dollars or more. And I'd love to see that because that's what we need to get out of this hole that we're in. We've been in a hole since 2008 that we haven't been able to climb out of. And the pandemic just basically pushed us back where we were in 2008, 2009. From an economic perspective, we just lost, you know, the anemic growth rates that we had. Um, you know, the economy is responding pretty well to uh, last year's stimulus package, but we know that, you know, that is already starting to run out of steam and uh, the economy has been slowing. We've lost jobs recently. And, you know, the, the most recent surge in the pandemic is, you know, uh, compromising our recovery. So we do need uh, this stimulus package, but I really hope for the long-term um, uh, growth driver that infrastructure spending would be. And that's when 
you know, this uh, value, uh, I mean, everything in the market is going to work well, but uh, the, the stocks that are dependent on a high growth economy, which typically your value uh, uh, bias stocks uh, are going to really do well. And they happen to be quite a bit less overvalued on average than, um, you know, the uh, big cap stocks in the S&P. So, I mean, anytime you can buy low, you got a shot at selling high. Most of the time when you buy high, you end up selling low. Will the ballooning deficit come back to bite us? We've had conversations about this in the past, uh, but I don't see any way around getting us out of the situation we're in other than uh, to print money and allocate it in the right spot. Yeah, if it gets allocated in the right spot and we get enough growth, I think we'll take some of the deficit down. I think that we're going to have bigger deficits than what we had before. And, you know, once you get a, a, a structural increase in the deficits like we've had, it's hard to imagine that we're going to get rid of those structural deficits anytime soon in like the next generation or so. So we'll, we'll probably have to just deal with this as a country going forward. And the rest of the world has to deal with the same thing. Uh, they have uh, much bigger uh, percentage deficits to, to their uh, economy size. And, um, you know, I think we're going to still be a dominant force in the world uh, as a economic engine uh, for the rest of the world. If you're an income investor in this type of environment, uh, in retirement or approaching retirement and risk to capital is something that is very, very important to you. Uh, how should you be looking at uh, allocating uh, those nest egg dollars uh, to make sure that you do okay, uh, that you won't run out of money? Yeah, well, you know, we talked to a, a lot of folks throughout the course of a year and and solving for income is is a tough thing to do. Uh, cash flow is king in retirement. So, you know, you really have to have a strong mix of high yielding dividend paying stocks, which can help you to keep pace with inflation, high yield bonds. And if you can generate, you know, three or 4% per year, you know, from the underlying yield, that really helps to solve part of the equation. However, when you're in retirement, that capital base is what generates the income, right? So you can't put the capital base at risk at the exclusion of generating yield, number one. And number two, you can't be worried about the, the headline returns of the index um, because you'll make mistakes that comes with too much risk to capital and you can't afford to take that type of risk. So you've really got to focus on what we call the three pillars of retirement income uh, generation. And it's critical to a, a successful plan, we feel. So first, focus on preserving your capital. Market goes down. You got to protect it. You got to keep capital intact. You got to limit your losses to a reasonable level. For example, if, um, you know, I, I do seminars around around the country uh, when, when we're not in a COVID environment and, uh, you know, I've asked thousands of investors, if you're down 20, what do you need to get back to even? And they'll say 20 percent and, you know, wrong. You actually need 25 percent just to get back to even. So if you can limit your losses to 10 or 20 percent, 
you know, uh, getting back to even down 10 as an 11, down 20, 25. These are reasonable return sets to get over uh, back to even over time. Um, you know, down 30 is a 43% haul just back to even. So capital preservation key, cash flow from the underlying investments, number two. And number three, you got to get a couple percentage points over the long run to keep pace with inflation and have a rising income stream. So th those are the three things you need to focus on. The NASDAQ's return last year, forget about it. Will traditional allocation, as we've looked at it for the past 30 years, get you where you want to be? Uh, something that we need to look at uh, a little bit differently, uh, given the environment that we're in today. You know, we have two approach, uh, uh, approaches uh, to retirement planning that we're really uh, pretty comfortable with and we think are pretty strong. One is, you know, active risk management to protect capital on the downside. We've had that uh, solution. It's kind of like a uh, more of a hedge fund approach, a very sophisticated uh, quantitative mathematic approach to um you know, both uh, return and risk management uh, focus, big focus on dividends and cash flow from the underlying investments. The other uh, area that we've uh, launched recently is a, uh, a investment management approach we call SI, which is kind of for cyborg uh, investing. Uh, it's an investing technology where we're using the same kind of quantitative uh, mathematical uh, approach in the portfolio allocation process. And typically that's going to include, you know, bonds and stocks. But once again, you have to be responsive to the market. And uh, we, we rebalance this on a quarterly basis and rebalance reconstitute the portfolio on an annual basis. We call it your serious money. It's the money you cannot afford to lose because you're depending on that to generate income for the rest of your life and it has to do uh, the right kind of job. Not only do you need, you know, pretty high current income in most cases we've found with clients, you know, four or 5%, um, but rising income to keep pace with inflation. Cause you know, uh, even though we've had low relative inflation, um, you know, numbers, the uh, retired person's inflation index is dramatically higher. We've probably had uh, a little bit less than 2% inflation, certainly over the last 10 years, but, um, you know, you take two and a half times that that's a re retired person's inflation index because, you know, it's healthcare, it's services, you know, and um, the prices on those things have gone up uh, quite a bit uh, faster than, you know, some of the other areas of the economy. You know, Matt and I were speaking last week about there's another generation out there behind the baby boomers, you know, the Gen Xers who. Mm -hmm have maybe already achieved the pinnacle of their earning years or are steps away from it, but they're still looking out and going, I need to accumulate as much as I can. And a lot of them have been passive investors. Uh, they tend to be more focused on growth. Uh, how should those people be looking at positioning their resources so that they can get the best bang for their dollar? Uh, as they build that serious money nest egg, you know, there's there's been a um, a, a gigantic head head fake, you know, smoke and mirrors in uh, the investment marketplace in terms of what uh, people have been recommending works. You know, passive 
has been all the rage, low cost, just invest in an index fund and you're going to, you know, all your dreams and, and financial uh, goals will come true. You know, that's happened. Uh, really, this passive craze has taken off. Uh, passive versus active has taken off since 2008, 2009, when the, the Fed and the U.S. government has provided a, com a complete backstop to the markets. They've caused asset price inflation on purpose with uh, zero interest rate, quantitative easing, and now, you know, stimulus program after stimulus program. They are ensuring that assets go higher because when people are feel wealthier, they tend to spend more money, which drives 70% of the economy. But, you know, make no mistake, passive only works in a rising market. It is an absolutely devastating disaster for investors who have not seen the downside like the NASDAQ in 2000 through 2002 down almost 80%. And when you're in retirement, if you take those kind of losses, you're, you know, game's over for you. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the younger folks have to be careful here because it, it looks like uh, it's easy to make money in stocks. So if you're on Robin Hood flipping stocks around and, you know, you buy here and you see it go up and, and when it starts to go down, you sell it. I mean, yeah, when everything's going up, it looks pretty easy to do that. When everything starts to go down fast, um, that's a big problem if you don't get out of the way. So you have to be really careful when you're at all-time market highs with historically high valuations. You have to know what you own and, you know, having a balanced approach to what you're doing and not, you know, going, this isn't like, you know, easy. This isn't gambling at new, you know, in Atlantic city or in Las Vegas, you know, investing's never easy. It's actually really, really hard. And when the market makes it look easy, like it has over the last, you know, 10 years, it, it lulls people into a false sense of security. And right now we think the best approach from an asset allocation standpoint, forget whether it's value versus growth. It should be active and risk managed and passive as a combination. Right. So if you're searching for higher returns and you want to stay fully invested, take a portion of your money and stay passive. Right. But, you know, don't bet the farm that the market's just going to go higher forever. It's not. We don't know. You know, it, we're, we're right now we're standing on top on one foot. We're balancing on one foot on top of a three legged stool, which is the market. The market's a three legged stool. And what happens is, you know, when people perceive that, you know, there's no risk, typically something comes along and blows out, kicks out one of the legs. And it, uh, if you got a three-legged stool, it doesn't stay standing. It topples over. And, you know, if you're standing up there on one leg, you can get hurt bad when you fall. So, you know, the market is like that you can get hurt really bad if it falls and we don't know what that's going to be. But, you know, if I remember correctly, the last uh, three presidents in a row, um, and, and I think it goes back further than that had a geopolitical challenge, you know, in the um, first term in their first term, not, not only in the first term within the first hundred days. Well, you know, it, 
We've talked in the past, especially when we rolled out our ETFs, and there are a lot of people out there that utilize an advisor, but they might have their own account that they play with their funny money, their play money, what have you. Uh, I always found it interesting uh, when we shared, when is the best time if you're getting ready to eliminate an ETF from your portfolio or buy one, when is the best time of the day to do it? Well, usually, you know, uh, in regards to where the market volume is, is at the beginning and the end of the day. You don't want to do it too early in the day because of the basket underlying in an ETF needs to price up. So if there's a lot of, you know, uh, micro cap, small cap securities that don't have a ton of volume, they may not price accurately until 10 o'clock in the morning, East Coast time or something like that. So you have to be careful with what you're doing. You want to, you know, uh, take a look at the day, you know, course of the day, parts of the day where there's, uh, you know, volume and you want to take into consideration, uh, you know, what's underlying in the basket of an ETF so that it can price up appropriately and you can get good, fair prices. Um, and, and that's really what you have to keep in mind in terms of how an ETF is built. Yeah, basically, uh, real simple. I, th I think you want to avoid the open and the close of the markets. Okay. You know, that, that first 15 or 20 minutes open and close, you definitely don't want to be selling there. So many uh, advisors and investors make the mistake of uh, selling at the market open before the uh, uh, stock market has had a chance to price effectively. And everybody thinks that the market opens all at the same time. It actually has a rolling basket of stocks that are priced first. Then the next one, next basket comes on, next basket, next basket. And so depending on what's in the ETF, you can have a really poor price discovery and really bad price execution uh, at the market open. And the close tends to be a real crazy rush, you know, for uh, um, uh, the institutional players. So one of the things that um, we look at uh, for, for just in general is, you know, uh, 10 to noon and one to three uh, tend to be your safer periods of time where there usually is quite a bit of uh, volume during those periods, 10 to 12 and uh, one to three, uh, I think give you an opportunity to, um, you know, work a trade successfully. I read an article yesterday that as of yesterday, a fifth of the global deaths from COVID, uh, over 400,000 of them have been in the US uh, and uh, globally, 2 million. So we, we've had a fifth. Uh, just quickly, Don, and then we'll wind up here. Uh, are we looking at another four, six, eight months of lockdowns uh, for this to unwind or uh, should we be looking to and watching the states individually uh, of what they're doing? You know, I think there's going to be a pretty big push over the next uh, three or four months. I would imagine by June that um, if the vaccine uh, uh, situation is reasonable at all in terms of rollout, we're going to have a lot of people get vaccinated between now and June. And if we don't get a, uh, you know, a second uh uh, you know, terrible pandemic type uh, virus or uh, a strain of the virus that is not being addressed by, you know, the current vaccine protocol, um, 
you know, which could happen. Um, I think that by beginning of June, we should be uh, pretty much out of the woods in terms of lockdown. Uh, I think it'll take some time, you know, for people to normalize behavior from, uh, you know, that June period on. I don't think people just rush out and start doing everything that they uh, had been doing. I think there's going to be, you know, uh, a hangover of risk. You know, I will be careful myself. And I think people are going to be careful. And uh, so if we do have, you know, a all clear, you know, from a vaccine standpoint, pretty much by June, lots of people, we've got that herd immunity that they're talking about. You know, I would say that, you know, we might be able to get back to business as usual by, you know, uh, late fall, uh, hopefully for the holiday season. You know, it'd be, it'd be nice to have a normal holiday season in 2021. So, um, you know, if we don't get any... Uh, really scary stuff that happens. It causes the market to go down. This could be an unbelievable uh, investment year, uh, especially if some of these, uh, you know, uh, more powerful uh, stimulus packages, including infrastructure, uh, do get out there. And so we're kind of excited about that. And, um, you know, we manage risk to the downside, so we're pretty comfortable here. Uh, uh, you know, you definitely want to have some of that. And, uh you know, we're positioned, uh, fully invested, ready to rock, um, you know, on the uh, good return set that we expect to have happen this year. So, uh, you know, uh, we're liking what we see, Rick. Well, these are definitely unsettling times, and we want all of you to know we're here for you. Uh, we're committed to sharing as much information as we can to help you make good decisions. Uh, stay tuned for episode 97. Uh, I hope all of your teams do well and the NFL championship games is Sunday. I am going for the Packers and the bills in the big upset, Matt. Uh, man, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay were looking pretty good last week, but can the old man survive old man winter is the question. Uh, gonna go. He's bionic. He's be bionic. I'm going, I'm going with Brady and Tampa Bay, man. They just looked okay. too good last week. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, that's what I'm going to go with. I was right on Alabama. So maybe I can be right on Tampa Bay. And, uh, what's, what's my second pick? Bu Buffalo and Kansas city, Buffalo, Kansas city, uh, going to go Kansas city. I mean, uh, Henny even came in and could toss it around. So I, uh, Kansas city's looking good there. Maybe, Hey, you know, Buffalo's got to be sitting there thinking, I guess we let Brady go a little bit I mean, early. You, you, mean, you know, uh, he, he, you mean, you mean Patriots, Patriots, not, not the Buffalo, not Bills. the Buffalo, not Bills. The Buffalo Patriots, Bills, yeah. Patriots. Uh, you know, they're like, uh, uh, oops. I think maybe he had a, another, another, uh, shoe in him, another leg. <laughs> all right. Well, all of you be safe. Take care. Remember, we're here for you uh, and visit our website. Check out the newest in technology. Have a great rest of the week. Take care. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stocks discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time, and there is always the possibility of loss. You should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or any other 
healthcare investment professional. If you have questions regarding the applicability of specific issues discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or your chosen professional advisor. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. WBI's advisory operations services and fees are in the form ADV available upon request. You are not permitted to publish, transmit, or otherwise reproduce this information in whole or in part in any format to any third party without the express written consent of WBI Investments, Inc.